This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson. Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big thanks to the title sponsor of The Big Show. That would be Big O. Save up to $190 off Michelin tires with financing options available only at your locally owned and operated Big O tires. The team you trust. We're going to talk to Steve Kyler, our friend from Basketball Insiders, coming up here momentarily. We'll get a little national perspective, as we often do, on what's going on with this jazz team. Yep. Yeah, looking forward to talking with Steve. And, you know, it's interesting as we talk to these guys, it's they all are of one accord now. You know, they are really uh, the Jazz getting a whole lot of love nationally. Uh, Brian Taylor is going to be on the show at four. We'll talk to him about uh, Tiger Woods. Uh, Brian, of course, from Real Golf Radio. Jeff Calkins will join us uh, from Memphis. Give us a, a little insight into Mike Conley. And uh, Bowler will be on with us at 5, and uh, those all-star reserves uh, should be announced while we'll ha- why we have Bowler on the air, which will be great. Uh, but right now, let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, of course, from Basketball Insiders, he's our friend Steve Ky- uh, Steve Kyler. Hi, Steve. How are you? I am well, fellas. you got Jeff Culkin coming in. That, that's a good dude right there. Known yeah. that guy forever. You know what? That's, that's a good place to start uh, with the all-star. A big story around here, Steve, as you can imagine, is will Mike Conley finally – uh, you know, get that all-star berth that uh, a lot of folks out there, I would assume, including including Jeff, believe that he's uh, maybe deserved for a little while now. What do you think are the chances that the Jazz get three onto this year's all-star team? Yeah, that's always the tough part. But look, when you're the number one team, remember when Atlanta was number one a few years ago, they got four. You know, when the Detroit Pistons were on the final run, they had four. Um, so it's not out of the question, especially when you're, you know, look, the Jazz are the best team in the Western Conference, and that's not the same as being the best in the Eastern Conference. You know, they're better than the Lakers, they're better than the Clippers, they're better than the Blazers, and they've got guys that are playing career years. You know, I think it's pretty safe to say Donovan Mitchell's a lock. I think it's pretty safe to say Rigo Bear is probably right there in, in the front court. You know, the challenge with Mike Conley is he's a guard and reserves in the guard. You're going to beat out Kawhi Leonard. You're going to beat out, you know, Damian Lillard. You're going to beat out, you know, you can start to play the numbers game of only 12 guys. You know, and I think that's the big thing. I think certainly deserving, long-time deserving. Um, I do think assistant coaches who are the ones that really weigh in on this a lot um, have a lot of respect for Mike Conley, and I think we've seen it over time. The guys that are long overdue for all-star nods can sometimes get in when they have that kind of a career year. So, you know, Mike Conley deserving. He's been deserving a number of years. I think he got lost in Memphis. I mean, you think about some of those grind, you know, grind years in, in Memphis with Marcus Gasol and, and Zach Randolph. They were deserving, but it was Memphis, and they weren't as good as maybe everybody else. This year, I think there's no argument that the Jazz are good enough to have the players. I think he's having a year to deserve the players. Question is, is will he beat out maybe some other guys that maybe higher profile stars? Forgive my ignorance on this, Steve. Maybe you know or have a suspicion one way or the other, but there's another member of the Jazz involved in the All Star uh, game, and that's Quinn Snyder, who will coach 
one of the teams. Does that give him, I don't know, does that give his say-so a little more oomph or not at all? Not at all. Um, you know, every coach, actually, you're, you're not supposed to vote for your own players. Um, you know, that's okay. really kind of the rule of it is, you know, that kind of weighs out or removes out that kind of, you know, I'm a just vote for all my guys. Um, and it also removes the pressure of, hey, coach, why didn't you vote for me? Um, <laughs> so there's, there's two parts to that. But, you know, it's the assistant coaches that really weigh in. Um, you know, most teams are, are having the assistant coaches do it. And, you know, it's kind of one of the, the, the perks of being the assistant coach is being involved in that. Um, and those are the guys that really scout teams, you know, as much as head coaches, you know, run the game on game night, you know, the assistant coaches really get into the game film and really understand the nuance. And sometimes that's why there's controversy. They're like, how did this guy get in and that guy not get in? Because the assistant coaches sometimes see those intangibles and they see those things that matter. And so it, it, I think the scenario is there for Mike Conley to get in. Um, I think the assistant coaches would make a great decision doing that. But like I said, there are a lot of really good guards in the Western Conference. I think it helps Mike a little bit that James Harden moved west or moved from the west to the east. You know, that's one more spot that opens. But, you know, again, I think that he's got a really, really good case this year. And really it's because the Jazz are sitting at the top. Steve Kyler from Basketball Insiders with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, Steve, I want to ask you a, really a question about how the Jazz are, are playing right now, the way that uh, they're, they're playing offensively, but a little exercise first. Uh, take yourself back to when you watched the Utah Jazz play under Jerry Sloan for a second, all right? If I would have told you that one day – this Jazz team would shoot 55 threes in a game and make 28 of them. What would you have said? Yeah, Jerry Sloan would have lost his mind. You know, I, I, I remind people a lot is if you go back and look at, say, Larry Bird, right? We talk about Larry Bird being one of the best shooters in the history of the game. 3.4 threes per game on his career. Like, they just didn't shoot the volume of threes. You know, Steph Curry shooting 13 threes on average in his career. So just the volume of threes has gone up, but the math says it should. And I think we're seeing that teams that can really shoot the ball at a high clip, you know, shooting is a, is a premium. And when you can get guys like Joe Ingles, they can just really light it up from three. You know, that's the big difference maker because 40% from three is better than 50% from two. And you can't get to 50% from two as a team anymore. It's really, really hard. Um, so, again, the game, I think, has evolved, but no question. I don't think Jerry Sloan would have ever allowed a player to shoot as many threes as, as the Jazz as a team. Steve, do you think that Rudy Gobert should be an MVP candidate? You know, that one's always tough. And, you know, the, the knock on Rudy is that, you know, he's not a 25, 30-a-game scorer type guy. But when you look at everything that he does as a player, you know, he's a double-digit scorer, double-digit rebounder, one of the best rim defenders in the game, you know, almost three blocks a game. You know, that's incredible production from a guy that doesn't need a lot of plays run for him. You know, you're not running actions. I mean, a little bit of pick-and-roll running and certainly him sprinting the rim, but it's not like you're doing all these post-ups. You think about Shaquille O'Neal and how many touches, you know, he got to be an MVP caliber big or, say, Dwight Howard and how much of a focal point he had to be when he was in Orlando or in Houston, you know, to be one of those top premier guys. Rudy's hugely productive, not even being the third option some nights offensively. Um, so I think the case is there, but, you know, it's hard. Look, you know, Damian Lillard's having an incredible year in Portland. 
Um, LeBron James is, you know, almost single-handedly carrying the Lakers the most nights. You know, James Harden has had an incredible year. Kevin Durant was looking like an MVP again. You know, there's a lot of guys. And I think this is a interesting time in NBA basketball. I think about the last five years, we legitimately had five or six guys that you could say, if they won the MVP, it was justified. And there were times in the NBA where the second best MVP guy wasn't even close. Now it's usually a race between five and six guys every year. And we'll be certainly having one of those years. And I think the Jazz, you know, it's the intangible part, right? It's it's the other stuff that he does that doesn't show up in the box score that gives people argument to kind of say he's not this or he's not that. But I'll tell you, everybody on that roster thinks he's an MVP. What do you think about the role that Jordan Clarkson has carved out for himself? Would you have uh, guessed he'd be this type of player when he first got into the league with the Lakers? Um, you know, it's always tough. You know, I always go back to, like, um, you know, they're, they're busy. When you think about, like, Lou Williams, when you think about, you know, it, it, those guys come into the league, they're kind of heralded, maybe they're going to be this, and it's like they're just not good enough to be starters. And then they get moved to the bench, and then all of a sudden they're those energy top guys. And I've talked to enough players to understand exactly how difficult it is to come off the bench and be a guy that can give you 20. Um, that's a very, very hard thing. To be cold, not be in a rhythm, come out and know that you're probably going to be in for six minutes in the first quarter, maybe four, and you've got to get going and then go sit down. Or you've got, you get going and then coach pulls you out. You know, finding those energy guys that can play hugely productive basketball in spurts and not have to be in the starting lineup, you know, is rare. But then there's also the gift of that, right? You know, usually when you're the second guy or you're the bench guy, you're now getting the starters touches. So I think Jordan has evolved his game, but no question. I think, you know, he expected to be a bigger starter, starter type level guy when he came to the league, has certainly found a role in Utah that really plays to his strengths. And I think he's really learned how to maximize playing from the bench in much the same way of a Jamal Crawford or a Lou Williams, because that, that's a very special talent. It's a big reason why we give an award for it. You know, that, that's so interesting, Steve, because there are times when, when Jordan Clarkson this year has not only been as good as, any, as, as a starter, he's been the best player on the floor. Yep. And, you know, look, I, I think that goes to, you know, players, right? You know, think about how many players say, I want trade because my role isn't big enough or I'm going to leave in free agency because I want to be a starter, not a bench guy, and to re-sign in a situation. And, look, money's always a factor, but to re-sign in a situation that says, I'm not going to be in front of Donovan Mitchell. You know, I'm not going to be in front of Mike Conley some nights. Um, you know, that, that takes a lot of confidence in yourself as a player and, and a belief in what you're doing as a team. So it's rare. I mean, if you think about it, Lou Williams on almost any other team is probably a starter. Um, he's happy being a six-man with the Clippers. And I think Jordan Clarkson, much the same way, he could go to you know, a lesser team and maybe be the starting guard, um, but he wouldn't be having the success that he's having as the six-man in Utah. Steve, the Lakers are in town to take on the Jazz coming up uh, tomorrow night. And it's just amazing to me. I, I honestly thought after, you know, LeBron made the finals run in the championship last year, I, I you know what, I thought we're not going to see LeBron until March. 
You know, he's going to take some time and, you know, there's a, he's, a, you know, getting up in age and all this. And not only has he not missed any time and performed, you know, admirably, but now they're without Schroeder. They're without Anthony Davis. And I know they lost against the Wizards in overtime, and that's a tough one. But, uh, I mean, it's amazing what the, the Lakers are asking of him and, and he's coming through. Yeah, and, you know, every so often people are like, are you going to take a game off for, you know, load management? And no, I'm not. Like, he's just not about it. Now, to be fair to that discussion, you know, LeBron was one of the ones that didn't want to see the season started uh, in December. You know, he was okay with leaving Christmas because of the wear and tear. But when it ultimately got decided, he was very clear with the Lakers that, you know, if I'm coming, I'm coming to play. I'm not coming to sit or sit out a few weeks. Um, LeBron's a rhythm player. He has been his whole career. Um, one of the things LeBron has done more years than not is really invested in his body. He travels with his own performance and training guys. He's invested in every technology solution that exists in kind of preparing himself. He, he eats well. He's never been kind of the crazy party guy that some NBA players are. Um, and I think it's given him longevity. And I think it goes back to, you know, he's a, a freak of nature in terms of his size and his physicality. And, you know, the fact that he hasn't had a major injury is, is kind of amazing. But again, he prepares his body and he takes his body and his training and his routine really, really seriously. And I think is why he's had such longevity. And again, it's kind of like Tim Duncan. I used to do this for years. Like, okay, maybe this is the year Tim Duncan will fall off. I've learned you don't bet against Tim Duncan. You don't bet against LeBron James. Um, and he just, it's like Tom Brady. Like, he seems like he's got three more years in him. Um, and it's amazing. And he just gets better. Like, that's usually not characteristic of NBA players, that you get better as you get older. And LeBron is getting by now more on craft and true skill than maybe on power and athleticism earlier in his career. Steve, you edged by it earlier in the conversation, but uh, a question for you. I know the Nets, a lot of people think they're going to shape into a terrific team by come the postseason. But how much better is the West than the East in your estimation? Well, you know, the one thing I'll say is I, I think the top teams, you know, when you talk about the Philadelphia 76ers and, you know, certainly when you're talking about, say, Brooklyn, you know, they're an edge better than everybody else. Um, the best teams, the top five-ish teams live in the Western Conference. The next two live in the Eastern Conference, and the middle of the NBA lives in the East. When you look at, say, Indiana, Toronto, you know, Chicago, Charlotte, you know, a underperforming Miami Heat team, if those teams were in the Western Conference, if they're 500, they'd be lucky. Um, so the, the better part of the NBA plays in the West, and it has for a number of years. And, you know, look, there's a reason. Star players want to move to California. Star players want to play in warmer weather. Um, those teams usually have the bigger ability to go out and spend money. Um, so there's just a lot of things. And, you know, Golden State was kind of sitting at the top for a while as well. So, you know, it, it success breeds success to a certain extent. A lot of the teams in the Eastern Conference have been rebuilding or are rebuilding for a while. When you think about Orlando, rebuilding forever. Charlotte, rebuilding forever. Atlanta has been rebuilding forever. Um, you know, the Knicks have been woeful for almost two decades. So, you know, some of these teams just haven't been able to put it together to make the progression. And when you look at, say, Utah, built through the draft, right? Rudy, Donovan, these guys coming up, finding Joe Ingles, getting good free agents, building, getting to the top. When you think about Portland, you get two elite-level guards in Damian Willard, C.J. McCollum. You know, keep growing around those guys. You're going to stay in the hunt. 
Um, you know, the Lakers being able to go get marquee guys, the Clippers getting Kawhi. You know, you get to jump to the front of the line when you're a marquee destination or when you get the draft right. When you get the draft wrong, you usually end up at the bottom longer than you want to be. Steve, thank you so much as always. We uh, look forward to it when you have a chance to drop by. Anytime, fellas. Be well. Back at you, Steve. Thank you. Steve Kyler, our friend from Basketball Insiders, coming on and uh, giving us a little perspective there, Gorno. So he thinks players want to come west, huh? Yeah, I don't know. I it, How long has it been since we've thought the East was better than the West? <laughs> now, I'm not talking about, you know, which team got the championship. I'm talking right. about when the, the perception of the conference, when, when was the East last better than the West? The 90s? Um, yeah, probably. So I don't know. I would be, I would be curious as to people's theories as to why that is. My, my best guess would be that the better run franchises are in the West. Was the the Celtics super team run, was that just, they were only good or was the East heavily weighed, weighted? The, the, the one time they won with uh, Paul Pierce. And yes. So Lakers, Miami yeah. was good. They had the, the Heatles, right? Or was that pre-Heatles? I think it was pre. Was it pre-Heatles? I thought so. Yeah, it was. Okay. Because Bosch was still in Toronto. So, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't say it was better then. All right. So, yeah, it's been 20 years since the East was better than the West? At least. As a, as a conference? At oh. least. I think there are some exceptions to it, uh, and I'm not saying that the Lakers are not well run, but the, the, I agree with you completely, Jake. Uh, players do seem to want to go to L.A. and play there, uh, but uh, on the whole, I think uh, a lot of these teams are better run in the West. Well, I it, mean, it makes it makes it more attractive. Think about what the Jazz are doing right now. Um, well, yeah. I think with the the Lakers here, we use them as an example. I I think you have to have, mm, I'd say, half a brain to run that organization. But look what happened when they had somebody with less than half a brain running right. the organization. <laughs> oh, come on, look how go. bad that got. I mean, on, <laughs> honestly, it's a perfect example of what we're talking about. It got terrible. You want to, you want to name anybody by name? Oh, I think it was uh, uh, the the son, right, Jimmy? Yeah, and then got, the, got and, a little crazy there. And then Jeannie had to step in and say, "Yeah, yeah, this is this is over." And I uh, thought I thought you were angling for a way to criticize Magic. Oh, Johnson. to criticize Buck? Well, he was terrible too. But <laughs> I was more thinking of Jim when I was when I was making that statement. Yeah. Because I I'm more thinking I'm not thinking general managers per se, although that's 100 percent a part of the conversation. I was more thinking like ownership down. Right. You know, okay. I, I mean, uh, you know, the Lakers are, have been an example for for a long time. But, you know, you, you look at the Spurs and you look at the Blazers and you look at these these other teams that are really run well from the top down. I think there are just more of those in in the West or even even to lower the bar. I think there are fewer terribly run franchises in the West. Like who are the Minnesota's had a tough time getting up off the mat you know, under this new ownership. Right, uh, Sarver has has been not terrific there in Phoenix, although they're better this year. The Kings, the Kings, of course, you, you know, 
perennially, uh, whatever word that is, uh, constantly <laughs> at the basement, in the basement. <laughs> perennially. Yeah, I'm just going to stop. But but how many of those uh, are in the East, honestly? I mean, let's start with the Knicks. I mean, if you have to have less than half a brain to win in New York and somehow they can't figure it out. Uh, Orlando has not been well run for a long, long time. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The Wizards. Oh my gosh, the Wizards. When was the last time they Gilbert Arenas was playing the last time they were halfway decent. And I don't even think they made it out of the second round then. The um, Bulls. The Bulls for a long, long time. Detroit for a long, long time. I mean, whenever Cleveland hasn't had LeBron James, they've been terrible. Indiana strikes me as a franchise that might be run a little more like the teams in the West, a lot of the teams. So when Larry Bird's not involved, yes. <laughs> okay. When when Larry's not involved, they're an extremely well-run franchise, but they get starstruck with, with Bird, and then I, I, it goes I, I, sideways, I and then they have to put the train back on the tracks. And then Bird comes back, ruins it again, and then they have to rebuild again. Speaking of uh, taking the train off the track here a little bit, uh, you heard Steve mention Larry Bird. Can you imagine? Think about what Larry Bird would be doing if he were playing in the modern NBA. Doing a lot more like mustache grooming commercials. Uh, just think about how many points he'd be scoring. I'm thinking about it. No, no. I mean, he was that kind of shooter, and it just wasn't stressed. I think it was Steve who said that he averaged like a little over three three pointers a game. He'd be he'd be launching fifteen, and he'd be making most of them. Two. Fifteen. Fifteen. Two. Fun. Sorry. All right, stay tuned. You guys, you guys like to make fun of the old guys, but I'm telling you right I'm now, not making they, fun. Yeah, you kind of are. Fun. Larry Bird was such a great shooter. Oh my gosh! Just think about how many he made a lot of layups. Think about how many strikeouts Mordecai Three Finger Brown would have in today's just, game. Just, just, just think about when Larry Bird looked around the room and said, uh, "For the three-point shooting contest, and said, which one of you guys is going to finish second?" Pork Chop Womack. Well, that's Hans's guy, right? Oh. Have you uh, – now, Austin, I, I know we'd like to make fun of me for being old, but uh, did you ever see Larry Bird play live? How, how I mean – No, I'm you, 35. Could, could you comprehend uh, his greatness? I'll, I'm making a joke about him making a lot of layups because DJ the other week was like, can you imagine someone doing this in today's game? And Larry, it was a video of Larry Bird. He played only left-handed for the whole game against the Blazers. And all but like three of his shots that night were layups. <laughs> so he it's was. just a little shine I'm giving the older generation because everyone thinks their generation was the greatest of no, all time. I'm, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying the greats of that period of time. Larry Bird was, I mean, he was... Remarkable. One on one, he or Kevin Durant, who's winning? Kevin Durant. Yeah. Uh, can you uh, imagine? Wait, 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 whoa, whoa, wait a minute. You're just saying that automatically? Uh huh. Why? Bigger, strong, uh, bigger, faster, stronger. Yeah. Well, I did uh, back when the NBA actually had a, a, a like a one on one contest. Uh, I'm talking about way back in the 70s. 
JoJo White faced Bob Lanier in the final, and JoJo, of course, was a terrific shooter, but Bob Lanier was too big for him. So, uh, can maybe you you're right. uh, maybe size would matter? Can you imagine if Dolph Shays played today? <laughs> what about what about Bill Sharman? The, Bill okay, would have dominated you know, today's I, game. I need to I need to ask a favor of uh, one of our older listeners. What about there. George Yardley? That guy would have would have owned everybody. If if you if you please send a tweet to these these numbskulls these young whippersnappers about how great Larry Bird was because I get the feeling I've seen there Larry might Bird be play. a tad bit disrespect I remember. going on here. Uh, Do you remember how? What great about he Harry was? the Horse Gallatin? What about uh, Paul Arizin? <laughs> that dude would absolutely dominate. What about uh, what about Ed McCauley? I think I would. Uh, yeah. Okay. What about Gan, Dan Gazurich, the Flying Dutchman? Vern, the Flying Dutchman. Okay, either that or the Duncan Dutchman are my favorite two nicknames of all time. Uh, Slater Martin would have scored 55 a game. What about Walt Bells Bellamy? I just love these nicknames. How about Derek Band-Aid Shivas? Or Craig Speedy uh, Claxton. We know him. Band-Aid? This guy's nickname is Band-Aid. Band-Aid? He wore one for good luck, it says. That's amazing. Billy uh, the Kangaroo Kid Cunningham. <laughs> oh, Billy Cunningham was a great player. Don't the kangaroo, be The Kangaroo Kid would have averaged, he nobody averaged a triple-double. in today's Billy game. Cunningham? Nobody called him Kangaroo. It's right here in Wikipedia. Huh. Yeah, well, that's The a, Kangaroo Kid. Forest uh, Frosty Cox. Frosty? That's his name. Frosty. He's cool. He's Frosty. Wait, his name was Frosty Cox? <sighs> That's according to this. All right, stay tuned. We'll have more big show. The program director just swore, Maybe, by the way. Yeah, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Some You're locked on to the big show presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. All right, this one goes out to Caleb, the band Fun. Fun! <laughs> Want to remind you to join Ants and Scotty from 10 to 2 at the warehouse on Friday. Their Salt Lake location, 1825 South, 300 West. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Hey, uh, real quick here, Gordon. Uh, you know, uh, reacting to uh, a tweet that I received uh, over the break uh, from Jeff on Twitter who actually sent us a couple of tweets, but Jeff Jeff tweets this at me. He says, when you act like Bird wasn't a great shooter, it really cuts into your credibility as a sports personality. Ask anyone from that era, and they will universally say Bird was among the best shooters. Yeah, I'm aware, Jeff. We're, We're making the jokes. Making the joke. Look at you back. Although, it up. although we do have a uh, <laughs> uh, someone who who uh, tweeted in, Larry Bird is uh, Gordon Hayward in today's NBA. I have to assume that's a joke. Why? I don't know. Larry Bird was no Buick. 
Why would you assume that's a joke? Maybe that's his opinion. Is that so ludicrous? Well, yeah, that is ludicrous. <laughs> that is ludicrous if we want to get all literal now. Um, so he's somewhere, Gordon Hayward, somewhere between a Buick and Larry Bird. Is that what you would say, Gordon? Larry Bird is probably, I would put him in the, uh, in the, in the Ferrari range. Yeah. yeah, but Steven, you know, happens to have a different opinion than you about something that's completely unprovable, and yet that's ludicrous? Oh, uh, Jake, I think it's beyond obvious that Larry Bird is, uh, is considerably better was considerably better than Gordon Hayward is now. I think he's talking about would Larry's game translate into today's, I think is more what he's getting at. And that isn't so ludicrous uh, to say that no, games back in the day wouldn't necessarily translate to today. That's um, not necessarily Larry controversial. Was, uh, Larry was more of a power player than Gordon Hayward, I think. Uh, he, I mean, he he did some nice work around the basket, but he was just had such a great shooting touch. Uh, maybe you're right, Stephen. I'm sorry. Who, uh, maybe, who? That's what he's looking at. By the way, did you see how Hayward was beating Joe Ingles off the dribble last night? He was in the first half. That's for sure. Yeah. I um, mean, I, Joe couldn't stay in front of him. That was interesting. I mean, this is not a, a trolling question, but uh, but probing into your hypothetical. Who? Uh, because I think a lot of position players of yesteryear would be kind of tweeners today, right? Who would Larry guard? Uh, he probably would guard power forwards. But what is that anymore? I mean, would he guard, like, Kevin Durant? Would he guard, I mean, would he guard, like, if they were playing the Jazz, he certainly wouldn't guard Rudy. He'd guard Bogdanovich, right, or, or Royce. Yeah. Would he guard Anthony Davis? Uh, probably. It'll be a tough matchup for Lair. Uh, yeah, but Larry would take him outside. No, I'm talking about defensively. Defense, no, defense, okay. defense. Well, I mean, Larry was pretty big and bulky. I mean, he was he, he was not a small man. I think he'd struggle. Well, maybe when you don't think he'd struggle with the athleticism. Oh, uh, yeah, I suppose a little bit here and there. But Larry had his way. But more to my point, what about a tweener from yesteryear who would probably be a great fit in today's day and age? See Keith Van Horn. That's interesting to think. I, you know, I've never given that much thought. Because he was remember. he was not physical enough to be a four at the time he uh, played, right? And not athletic enough to be a three at the time he played. So he found himself in this weird middle because he had nobody to guard. Uh, but in today's point. day and age, you could absolutely get away with playing him as a four. Yeah. Yep. Sure could. So it's kind of funny how that, I mean, if you look at the conversation from that angle, like how would their game translate to uh, to today? I actually think it's kind of a fascinating conversation, just more a comment on the evolution of basketball and how some people were were before their time. You know, was a, is a guy like um, Lonzo Ball, for example, past his time? Would his game, because he can't shoot, right, would his game have been a better fit in the 90s when that wasn't necessarily a requirement out of point guards? Probably, yeah. Or the sure, 80s so. when you could be one of the best ever and can't shoot a lick like Magic. Uh, Magic learned to shoot. Well, not well. Shots in his day. What that CJ, hook shot? When you keep when you keep pounding this, no wonder people tweet at you the way they do. <laughs> well, they, he was talking about 
bird. I'm talking about magic. I, I know, but he probably would say something similar. Because a lot of people thought magic was better than bird. Yeah, those people are called crazy. Uh, I don't think so. I think Danny Ainge even admitted that. And he was with Larry Seaman. Well, his team's 500. What, are they, what does he know? <laughs> of course. Of course. I'm just Larry would have his way in today's game like crazy. And don't forget, I mean, he, he'd be able to live at the three-point line, but he could take guys inside as well, and he could hit the mid-range. So uh, he, he, would, he would be – he'd score more now than he did back then, that's for sure. Magic shot 19.6% uh, from three in 87, they didn't, they, 88. They didn't, they didn't stress it back then. It wasn't a thing. His Not career really. high, though, you were talking about him learning to shoot. Uh, his career high was 38.4% in 89-90, and he actually took three and a half per game that year. Yeah, yeah that was a matter of emphasis. But that was the second to last year of his career. Well, see, but the guy like Magic, he, he figured, okay, I can shoot a three or else I can just help my team score uh, by making the right pass at the right time. And that that's the way, you know, we talked about Jerry Sloan earlier. He was a layup first coach. That was just the, the mindset back then. Not to shoot. Not to shoot the three. Yeah. Yeah, shoot it, but not, not uh, to the tune of 55 attempts a game. So magic in today's day and age, let me ask you this. Would he make the Jazz? <laughs> He'd make them a champion. Would he make he would the do. team? He'd make him a champion. You put Magic Johnson on this jazz team, and they win the title. Guaranteed. I mean, he'd have to be a big in today's day and age. No, he wouldn't. What? Yeah. I mean, yeah, if he was 60 years old, yeah. Well, he can't shoot, so that's got to be your big because you got to go four out. Or would he be like a Rajon Rondo type where he was a backup? See, when you say this kind of thing, people take you seriously, and then they think you're a complete idiot. Because I mean so, it. You do not. I, what do you mean? I do? You'd have to play him at the big. You can't shoot. That's what they're doing with Ben Simmons. Jake, he what? could shoot. He can shoot. It wasn't stressed back in his time. I know the, the if, it, if, it, if he was playing in an environment like this, he would develop that shot to the point where he would he'd be impossible to guard. L a k e r s. He would be impossible to guard. Not to mention, you guys are forgetting. You're forgetting the fierce competitors that these guys were. Bird and Magic, they saved the freaking NBA. That's my favorite stat in the box score. Uh, they, they, they saved the freaking NBA. Sven, the NBA was in trouble. They were they were showing their championships on tape delay, and then Bird and Magic come along, and next thing you know, the NBA starts to prosper. And they, they set up perfectly uh, Michael Jordan, and the thing flowed from there. Show a little respect for your elders. Sven really. makes a great point. He tweets in. He says, "Magic isn't even the best point guard in Laker history." Uh, this is, he's so full of crap. LeBron yeah, is. Rick. LeBron is. Oh, LeBron's the best point guard in Laker history. That's get inarguable. No, he's not a point guard. I'd take LeBron over Magic 100 out of 100 times. 
Would you not, Gordon? No, LeBron is a point forward. He's a point guard. He is. He is. It's forward. true. How tall is uh, Magic? <clears throat> Gordon? Magic was like six, uh, six, what is he, six, nine, something like that? Isn't that what LeBron is? It is what LeBron is. Strange. You're talking about two of the greatest players in the history of the game. I mean, Magic was really in that company. He was. He was fantastic. And what a competitor. Same thing with Bird. Those guys come into the league, and what do they do immediately? Magic Johnson wins a freaking NBA championship as a rookie. Okay. And if he were all that, he'd probably be the best point guard in his team's history. That's all. Uh, Come on. People will take you seriously. They're not going to think unkindly thoughts about I do think LeBron's better than Magic. And I do think LeBron should be considered a point guard every bit as much as Magic should. Okay. So LeBron LeBron is is one of the two or three best players in the history of the game. And Magic is one of the top six. Same height, same weight. And And Bird is right there. Right there behind him. Yeah, I'd put Bird top 10 for sure. I'd put Magic probably top 50. Oh, stop it. Just stop it. You're going to make everybody who watched Magic play drive off the road. Just stop. Magic Johnson is pound for pound the best point guard who ever lived. I watched Magic play, Gordon. Uh, He must have been like five years old because you weren't seeing it clearly. I I watched Magic play. I've been to a How old were you when you watched Magic Magic play? play. Uh, How old were you? I was probably, no, I was like 26, 27. <laughs> You're like 10. You're going to make Gordon we, projectile vomit here. His head's going to spin off. We're going to need a priest. He was okay. He was okay. Stop it, Jigs. Just stop it. Come on. You know, <laughs> 20, 30 years from now, someone's going to come along, and they're going to tell you about how little Danny Smith is the greatest point guard in the history of the world, and LeBron and... No, those guys sucked compared to them, you know, and you're going to react the same way I am. I don't know what you're talking about. I do. All right. Stay, stay tuned. <clears throat> We've got a... Uh, I, I, let me just I apologize for my partners here. I just apologize. Don't apologize I, for me. I'm, I'm, I have to. I can apologize I, for myself, thank you, when it's well, then, required. Well, then do it. It is oh, required. No, no It is required you need right to, now. You need to apologize Stop. for the... The magic worship that we're forced to sit through on a <laughs> daily not, basis. Between no, you and PK, ta- ta- it no. should be 1280 the magic. We're, look, we're talking facts here. That's all. No. And then, see, what happens is for guys like PK and me, we have someone like you guys come along, and then they start tearing these guys down who are such great players. And so then we talk about it because we want to educate you. No, no. You talk about it. 1280 The Zone, the home of the jazz and magic. And magic. <laughs> right magic <here>. talk 24-7. <laughs> you can at least change it you up know, and talk you, about you, Michael Thompson or something. You, Jake, I mean, you, Austin, and Bowler are the three people in the world who might think John Stockton was better than Magic Johnson. I don't think John Stockton was better than Magic Johnson. I think LeBron is better than Magic Johnson. Well, I mean, yeah, but you're talking about... And I think that somebody... You're talking about one of the... We're we're talking about the third best, the second best player versus the fifth or sixth best player. And I'm talking about how somebody uh, back in the 70s called Magic a point guard, and then everybody everybody from there on out fooled themselves into believing that this 6'9 guy was a point guard and to guard him him as such. He, he played the point guard position. In fact, the Lakers so does LeBron. sent away Norm Nixon so Magic could play the point guard Not position. Not Norm Nixon. Is that the guy from Cheers? 
No, I it's, thought it's that, just getting worse and worse. Just getting that's Norm Schwarzkopf. No, Norm Nixon. <laughs> Norm Nixon was a great player. Who was Norm Rockwell? <sighs> I apologize, all you folks who uh, are of a certain maturity. It just gets level. worse and worse. And then you wonder why you get tweets like you did earlier, trying to save you from yourself. No, I don't. I I don't wonder why I got tweets that I did, or I know why I did. Because you don't mess with a great player like Bird. Let me let me put it this way: you don't you, would, you don't even joke it, about a great if it player hadn't like been Bird. For Magic, if it hadn't been for Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, you wouldn't be working in the job you're working in right now. I'd agree. The NBA, the NBA would not be anywhere near what it is. I now owe my livelihood those, to Magic. I agree. I no. I'd agree with that statement. If you took Magic out of there, just Bird, yeah. So BYU and, football and you know didn't exist. Utah football never happened without no, of Magic. Course not. No. 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 I mean, I'd give I'd give Doctor J more credit for that uh, what you're talking about than Magic, I'm and I'd give saying, Stockton more credit that we have a flagship radio every day from six A to seven P no, radio station. The, no, because the NBA would be on tape delay for its championship. Yeah, somebody series. else would have captivated the imagination. Some other six nine unathletic guy <laughs> playing point guard. Yeah, playing point guys, guard. Come on. All right, stay tuned. A market <laughs> update coming up next. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 Zone. We'll get to Austin's list coming up here momentarily, but let's do a quick market update brought to you by our friends at trydaytrading.com. Now you can be a day trader, trydaytrading.com. Gordon, how the markets do today? A little bit mixed. The NASDAQ, uh, which suffered uh, quite a bit yesterday, was down again today, nearly 68 points. Not good. The Dow, however, uh, and the S&P were both up, like Magic Johnson hoisting an NBA championship trophy. The Dow was okay. up a little over 15 points. And Come on, let's get nasty now. Let's do it. <laughs> and the S&P was up nearly five points. Fun. <laughs> Fun. Fun. All right, we ready for Austin's list? Austin, you look uh, loaded and ready to go. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get nasty now. There isn't much that makes Austin Horton angry. Wait, who are we kidding? Almost everything makes Austin upset. This is Austin's airing of grievances. The tradition begins with the airing of grievances. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Austin Horton has an enemies list, and we, we he puts people on it all the time. Who makes the list today? Uh, today goes out to every one of you politicians out there who says you're tired and need a break and a long vacation. And uh, can't can't handle it, and us uh, pee, pee on pheasant or pheasants peasants out here amongst the unwashed public couldn't possibly uh, comprehend what you're grueling through each and every day up on the hill. So you're right, you need a break. We'll we'll vote you out. Thanks for letting us know. Also going on the list today are the uh, good people who are in charge of the sewage in Atlantic County, New Jersey. I don't know if you saw this story. Okay, no. Crews, uh, there was a, a leak. Uh, in Atlantic County, of the raw sewage. And raw sewage is currently flowing through the streets 
of Atlantic County, New Jersey, because someone at the sewage plant didn't tighten something they were supposed to tighten before leaving for the weekend. Like a bolt or something? They, that's what they're they're <laughs> thinking. There's a part that's missing that's usually there. Someone It was there when this person said they left for the weekend, and Sunday rolled around and the sewage was flowing through the streets of Atlantic County. So does that person have to clean it up all by himself? Uh, no, uh, repo- unfortunately not, because that would, you know, that would send the right message, I think. Wouldn't it? I think so. No one else would ever again leave their job undone at the sewage plant in Atlantic County. But required parts have been ordered. I don't know if they're Amazoning those things or what, but uh, they're arriving on site over the next few days, said the officials there in Atlantic County. Wait, wait so I get this straight, a guy didn't tighten a bolt and it caused raw sewage to flow down the streets it was it was a little bit of a of a embellished example i gave what they said is there's a part that's usually there that's no longer there that holds these things from coming into the streets so i just added that you, you someone would, didn't do their job you would think there would I, be more layers of protection between working and streets flooded with sewage no like like some sort of backup yeah, plan yeah you but, know, you know Something more than a little door, a little doggy door, or whatever. Like if, if some- so, you mean so you look, when Bill says, "Okay, see, I'm I'm leaving early for the weekend. Bye." You don't have sewage flowing. That yeah, right. The that's that's what I'm saying. There should like, be wh- something besides Bill between wh- that yeah. and sewage flowing. Why yeah. why is the 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 like the line between uh, disaster and normalcy just th- some bozo? A little piece of metal, <laughs> right? Yeah. Why is it? Why, some guy. Like, like okay, Bill. Uh, Bill skipped out early and something went wrong, but luckily, you know, backup plan saved the day. Nope. No and we can plan. and we can fire awesome. Bill. Think about the pressure that that man must live with, having to tighten that up every day. And if he doesn't <laughs> do it right, he's got sewage in people's houses. Well, the good news is the officials there in Atlantic County are saying that for the first time in the history of science. Raw sewage is not bad for you, so don't worry about it. Wait, they're saying it's not bad for <laughs> they you? They said there is no immediate health risk. Not what? like don't let your kids play in it or anything <laughs> Just, like that? Nothing. They said uh, this does not impact the safety of drinking water. There is no immediate health risk uh, with the raw sewage problem currently happening. How can, in that, how can that even be? <laughs> that makes no sense. Hey, hey I, I, I trust our elected officials. And if they say that it's safe to pl- play and frolic in uh, raw sewage, <laughs> then uh, you count me in. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, lying sacks of... All right. There you go. Austin's <laughs> list. Sacks of what? Coming raw up, sewage. Coming up next, we're going to talk to our guy, oh, B.T. Brian Taylor will join us, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to him about Tiger Woods and, of course, the big story of the day today. More Big Show next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.